0: How can we increase the chances that our audience will truly get what we mean? With clarity. I'm Daphna. Welcome to Let's Clarify It, where we'll explore how to communicate our innovative ideas in ways that lead to the results and impact we set out to achieve. Every day, we encounter so many opportunities for meaningful exchanges. Let's make the most of them by being perfectly clear. Why are veterinarians at an incredibly increased risk for suicide? What combination of unique stressors do they face in their professional and personal lives? And what is Dr. Stacy Cordovano doing to address these pressing issues? Welcome to Episode 2 of Let's Clarify It, in which we learn from equine veterinarian Dr. Stacy Cordovano how more self-care and growth outside of the veterinary practice is important in order to find one's joy, and how she's addressing her message clarity challenge of staying relatable while sharing her own opinions without coming across as if she's already got it all figured out. But if you ask me, she's already figured out a ton, which she generously shares.
1: Curious? Let's clarify it. Hello, Stacy. Hi, Daphna. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, thanks for coming. And I wish that we could meet in person. I didn't even get (laughs) to tell you when I actually looked up where it is that you're from. You won't believe this, but before my family moved to Israel when I was a kid, I lived in Pennsylvania.
1: Oh, my gosh. That is funny. (laughs) My mom's
0: family is from Harrisburg. I have a 99-year-old grandfather who still lives there now.
1: Oh yeah, it's only like two hours away. That's really someday. someday. Someday we'll meet. Yeah,
0: totally. No, no. On the agenda. So <laughs> I've had the pleasure of meeting you through Seth Godin's magical world of amazing change makers. Tell tell people who are listening to us now, who are you? What do you do?
1: <laughs> uh, my name is Stacy Cordovano. I am an equine veterinarian in, in Pennsylvania. I have a solo equine practice. It's uh been going on for 10 years now. Um Prior to that, I did um, some equine focused training in New Jersey and Florida, and I went to vet school at Virginia Tech. It's called Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. But yeah, I'm um, I'm an equine vet. I'm a mom to two little boys. I'm a wife to a mushroom farmer. <laughs> That's very normal in our part of Pennsylvania, but it sounds weird to anybody else. How cool! And <laughs> um, yeah, I recently. Um, did the podcast workshop through Seth Godin's um, Akimbo workshops, which as you said, are magical. And I started a podcast for veterinarians, for fellow colleagues, with the intent to help other people realize that we can live bigger lives outside of just veterinary medicine. I feel like we love our jobs and get really focused on them. And our personal life suffers and our wellness suffers. And veterinarians have like about a three and a half times higher risk of suicide than the average population. And I have made some adjustments to my personal life with the help of um, lots of people, but a couple of mentors and then finding some personal development podcasts and things like that. So I wanted to share some content and ways that um, may help other veterinarians also improve their life, like find joy. That's basically my goal is help people find some joy outside of veterinary medicine.
0: Wow, super, super big goals and very important. <laughs> I
1: know. It's kind of like let me solve world peace. One of my mentors said that when I brought up the idea of um, the podcast. He's like. It sounds like you're trying to solve world, world peace, and I was like, ah, uh, yeah, it's lofty. But you if can, I can get to that one... after
0: after you solve all of the needs of veterinarians. Then you can get to world peace. There's yeah. time, right? Are you, yeah. the, are you the kid who grew up knowing that they were going to be a vet? Has this always been your thing?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, three. I think three years old. I was saying I was going to be an equine vet.
0: No yeah. way. Mm-hmm. How did you even know what an equine vet was when you were three?
1: Uh, well, my cousin is an equine vet. So maybe that, but I started writing really young. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but my mom says it was when I was three. So yes, it is this deep seated um, desire. And I think that it adds to the problem, right? Like we are so focused on this and then that's like just this goal. And then you're just striving for that your whole life. And, and you're then- willing to
0: do anything in order to achieve yeah. it and maintain it. Correct. Are a lot of the vets that you know that devoted to it and that single-minded about it?
1: A lot. I mean, not all of them, certainly, but a lot are. And then you're already in this habit. And then especially for me, I started my own practice. So that was like building from the ground. So then you're just like putting all of yourself into it. So for me, it wasn't until I had kids and had something other than veterinary medicine that kind of broke me open and was like, okay, there are better things I could be doing with my time than slaving away to these clients that have are awesome. And I love working on their horses, but there are other parts of life to make you happy. Did
0: you also know right from the start that it was definitely going to be horses?
1: Uh, Yes. I explored small animal medicine in my undergraduate. I went to Penn State and I worked at two different small animal clinics And for me, that was a great learning experience, but it was like, I don't want to be stuck inside all day with dogs and cats. So I I love being able to travel to the different farms and things like that. So, yeah.
0: Amazing. All right. So you're in the field, you love the field, you're working at it, and your parenting was your first aha moment about, wait a minute, we need to find, I personally need to find more of a balance between my professional life and my life.
1: Yeah. Well, the first year, I mean, I went back to work at 11 days after my son was born because I had had someone come in to help me, but my son was a week late. So she basically had three weeks to help me. And I lost one of those weeks because he was a week late. So then I had two weeks of help. So I stuck him in the car at 11 days and I went with her for the last couple of days that she was working and so then I just treated the rest of that year like I was normal. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is hard. <laughs> That's an understatement for anybody that has kids. You brought um, the baby with you every time you went out to a farm to treat a horse? Initially. And then I started to bring my mom along. And then I was like, this is insane. I can't do this anymore. So then he started saying home. But then it was like me rushing around feeling guilty, then rushing home to breastfeed and, I, and then the pumping in the car. It was like, thinking back on it, it was like insane what I was trying to fit into the day because I didn't slow down my practice at all. So then I started slowing, I started letting a few clients go. And then it wasn't until my second son that I was really like, this is too much. So I really scaled back. And then also a colleague of mine lost her baby. And that was another big wake-up call. Like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I trying to fit all this in when, like, what I really want to do is at home? Knowing that I can't, I didn't want to give up my career and stay home with my kids. But, like, there had to be a better balance. So that's sort of when this whole process of finding personal growth and finding happiness outside of just work. Really. I kind of really dove into that. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you just are a different person after you have kids. so For sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. But your decision to serve fellow veterinarians on this path to more well-rounded living is that because you feel like veterinarians have a special need that isn't being addressed or because it's the population that you know the best and feel the most affinity with or some combination thereof or something totally different?
1: No, I think, yeah, I think it's some combination thereof. I worked with a mentor who kind of helped me create a strategic life plan. And he asked me to create some buckets in my life. And so, you know, Family and kids were one, work was another, self-care was another. And then I added a community service bucket. It's been a big part of my life throughout my whole life, except during vet school and then creating a business and then having kids, it totally, I mean, I haven't done anything recently. And I think for me personally to feel good, giving back is part of that. And so I started thinking about, well, what can I do that, that bucket was sort of on the back burner until I kind of got the rest of life organized. And I felt like I had made a lot of progress in, on the other buckets. And I started thinking, okay, I could volunteer at a therapeutic riding center or I could go, We, you know, Wilmington's a nearby city to us. I could go into Wilmington and, and read with kids, but then also COVID hit, right? And then you actually can't do any of those things. So I started thinking about A community that I knew well, which was veterinarians. And a couple of big articles had come out about the suicide rate. And not that I didn't know that, didn't know that, but it all just hit at the time that I was thinking about this idea. And so that's how it came out. Like, yes, it was a need to give back, but it was a community that I knew well. And there are tons of wellness things out for vets, but I didn't feel like there were any very like real life ones and no one was thinking outside the box. They were like, do yoga, like have better boundaries with your clients, all the same things. And they were coming top down from our like veterinary medical associations and people that I I couldn't connect to. So I figured other veterinarians felt the same way that they couldn't connect to. And it was just like, we were being talked at. So I thought if I shared just resources that like really hit home to me, like different books, or I had, um, I had the guy on that helped me with my strategic life plan. I had my lactation consultant on because she's like amazing at, you know, prioritizing your life as a mother. I felt, so I just wanted it to come from. A, a female and mother's perspective because we all know that self-care is way harder as a mom and an, an equine vet perspective because there was not a lot of that out there. And so I just wanted to come from like a more realistic perspective. And it does seem like it's it's um going well. like people I get I'm getting good feedback. Um, and I want to make sure that the content I'm delivering continues to stay, I don't know if humble is the right word. I don't want to come off like I'm this know-it-all that has it all figured out because I certainly don't. I mean, I still haven't worked in a regular exercise routine into my life. Like I just want to keep sharing resources that I find helpful and like my opinions, but I want to make sure that it doesn't sound too know-it-all-y. I guess that would be a struggle that I'm starting to have now that I've I've produced one season of 15 episodes and I'm taking a break and I just want to make sure going into the next season, it stays like authentic.
0: Fantastic. So one more question before we get into the, the challenge of, of communicating that message of yours, what, what kind of reasons does the research show that veterinarians are so much more likely to, to end up with suicide?
1: There's a couple of big categories. One is the student debt load, and then, of course, the pay that we get after. So our student debt load is similar to most professionals. It ranges from, you know, two to four hundred thousand dollars for the four years of study. But then as opposed to a doctor or a lawyer who's making several hundred thousand in income, our starting salaries range between 60 and 80,000, and like you're capped at, you know mid-100s. You're never going to be making $400,000 like a doctor might. So student debt load and like lack of ability to pay them back is a huge one. Client bullying is also a huge one. Um, Yelp and Google reviews are, like if you read in our Facebook groups about people, like we have a couple of closed groups and people will just say like, I got this review today. And I mean I understand that pet owners are hurting if something doesn't go well or or they feel like they had to pay a lot of money and the outcome wasn't what they expected but I mean there are scathing reviews that literally make people stay up at night and want to commit suicide so that's a big one and then the work the the hours of work especially for equine veterinarians like being on call 24/7 um, being expected to work like, I mean, a normal equine work week is like 60 to 70 hours. I'm like, <laughs> I'm way part time. Like, I'm actually probably normal full time, like 40 hours a week, but that's like considered part time for equine medicine. And why is think. that? Uh, probably because we don't charge appropriately and therefore need to hustle to make any sort of profit. I would guess, and it's also sort of become a standard that horse clients can get their vets kind of anytime they want them. (laughs) We've allowed, we've allowed it to happen. I mean, that's the bottom line is that we've allowed it to happen. And, you know, the equine side of veterinarians are slower to convert to the all, like the majority female. So graduating from vet school, it's now like 85% female And I would say in ownership, really 85%
0: of of vet Mm -hmm. graduates are women.
1: Yeah. Uh, These are all obviously us numbers, but yes. And the trend is, I think for small animal ownership, the trend is finally like more than half are women owners, but in equine, I think that's lagging. There's more male owners and older owners. So they haven't kind of adopted You know, thinking outside the box or new work schedules and considering, you know, having children and things like that. So I think it's just sort of the way it's always been. And I'm hoping it's changing for equine medicine, but it's a little slower.
0: Okay. So you understood this realization that this is a difficult situation that a lot of your fellow equine vets are dealing with. And you thought, all right, so a podcast could be a good way of serving them. So when you constructed that first season, What you had in mind was bringing various experts in different areas of wellness and providing them with a platform to share with these fellow
1: equine um, vets. Yeah, basically. I also mixed in some actual veterinarians who are doing things differently, you know, who maybe aren't in clinical practice anymore or have a side hustle to Help veterinarians. Like I interviewed um, one small animal vet who started a Facebook group and then created a um, summit on vet- finances for veterinarians, like personal and business. So I talked to her. I talked to a veterinarian who is starting, um, you know, a basically a YouTube channel chronicling her um, infertility struggles as a black woman in America. So yeah, it was a mix of experts in their fields that are not vets to try to think outside the box. And then also vets who either are practicing or are not practicing, but are also thinking outside the box.
0: So some of these topics are actually very interesting and relevant, even for an audience who aren't vets and certainly aren't equine vets, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten that feedback, which is great. I love that. I mean, that's awesome. If it it helps more than just that, it could resonate
0: with a larger audience. Mm -hmm. And what kind of feedback have you gotten from your specific target audience of equine vets?
1: Um, You know, obviously not every episode is for every person, but on specific episodes, I did a mindfulness episode that was geared towards vets from a mindfulness instructor who did research with veterinarians. And so she does it in a very scientific and short format way. So someone that I, you know, a lot of the feedback is from friends, and they're like, "Oh, this is great, Stacy, good job." But some of the feedback, this woman in particular, I do not know. She's another equine vet, and she shared it in our group and was like, "This is such a great like. I've tried to meditate, I just couldn't do it, but this is a great way to get into it. It's like not too woo woo, and I loved how they explained how it could be helpful, like both like in biochemically, but also done in a way that's like easy for our schedule. So that was one thing. And then I just talked to someone last week who was just like, I just love it. The whole thing I love, you know, she's another, she's a mom too. So she was like, you know, I just love the different kind of topics. And, and then I have one coming out um, soon that's on finance. And a couple people are super excited to kind of hear about financial independence and ways to, you know, Maybe, maybe we don't have to work for the next 40 years before we can retire. So they're excited about that one.
0: Neat. All right. So the specific challenge that you feel like you're facing when you're thinking about your next, your next season is how to stay relatable and how to help other equine vets feel like, yes, you're suggesting all kinds of nuggets that you've come across and possibly even you could consider owning them as wisdom, but <laughs> that it's not that you have it all figured out.
1: Yes, correct. That's a great summary.
0: What would you like to what would you like to convey? Would you like to do have you done any host on mic episodes where no. it was you just sharing your insights on various topics?
1: No, that seems so scary. Why? <laughs> well, because that's exactly what I want to avoid. Like I you know, I don't know if it's just my personality or just that I went to vet school, but I just feel like who am I to, you know, I don't have a degree in positive psychology or any of these finance or any, how, who am I to sit there and tell people, I don't know what they should think. I don't, that's.
0: As moms and as women, we're so quick to suffer from imposter syndrome, right?
1: I, yes, I guess, I guess. And we would be
0: the first ones to help a friend point out, wait a minute, but you're so accomplished. You've done so many great things. Of course, people will want to hear about your input on that topic, right?
1: Yes, true. You yeah.
0: would identify it in a friend immediately.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific niche
0: that you would feel comfortable, not sounding like you're the world's expert on it, but more offering an opinion on something?
1: Well, I do feel pretty comfortable on the idea of like a household budget or spending plan because my husband and I have done that over the past three years and it has made a remarkable difference for our family and our goals. So that is one area that I would feel comfortable. So with. so
0: case study with an N of one and you could mm-hmm. share that and it's evidence-based and you'd be comfortable with
1: it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: So that's one. Could there be some sort of hybrid version of when you interview people, do you feel like you can also bring plenty of yourself into it or you're just totally fly on the wall, giving them the stage?
1: I will say as the season progressed, I noticed myself contributing a bit more in the beginning. It was very fly on the wall. Um, And I guess maybe that is just a comfort thing with putting yourself out there. But yes, I I guess I did notice that it was a little easier to contribute.
0: Cool. So could it be that just like the example that you just provided of home finance as something that you yourself has experienced, and it doesn't mean that now you're saying that you're the world's biggest expert on home finance, but rather here's something that we did in our household, which we found helpful. Perhaps you, my listener, would find it helpful also. Are there other such lived experiences in parenthood, for example, maybe comparing mm-hmm. post-baby number one to post-baby number mm-hmm. two and what you learned about specifically considering that your audience, right, as Seth Tell tells yeah. us, it's all about who it's for and what it's for, right? So if you're mm-hmm. continuing to speak to predominantly women who you know mm-hmm. are, are predominantly equine vets, right, could there be some insights of things that you learned? Do you feel like after baby number two that you applied some more of the better balance that you figured out that you needed after
1: baby number one? Yeah, certainly. I could talk from that perspective, especially, yeah, as a business owner, I think I could just, yeah, I guess if I'm framing it in the light of just sharing my specific story, that seems more palatable or easy or, you know, like less, um, Pretentious. Less. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yeah, sharing sharing my story. Look, it's also a matter of of comfort level, right? Are you comfortable? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you started your own podcast, there's some comfort level with your voice and with sharing, right? Finding your voice, sharing your voice. Are you comfortable mm-hmm. talking about yourself, about your family, about personal experience?
1: Oh, yeah, not from like an like I'm happy to share. It's more of like do people actually care, I guess, is the, <laughs> what I have in my head, the question I have in my head. Yeah.
0: Do you like listening to other people sharing stuff that they've done that they think might be helpful to somebody else?
1: I do. Yeah. As long as it's not, I guess maybe that's where my hesitation comes from. I think sometimes you listen to people and they just sound so full like of themselves. that's That's I Yes. Right. So I think But other times, yes, I love. I mean, I obviously if you can find one piece of relatability in someone's story, you are obviously very connected with that person immediately. So yeah, I think if if it can be done in a way that's not, like you said, pretentious. Yeah,
0: sharing my story. Yeah, sharing my story on something could be a total humble, totally humble way of, of sharing a lived experience and you know, offering to your listener. Maybe this could be helpful to you too in that situation. So what other, when you think about that specific prism of fellow vets who are dealing with life's challenges as business owners, as moms, as partners, as business owners, homeowners in the profession with all of its specific challenges, since that's the audience that you're customizing to. So in addition to personal finance, home finance, family family finance, and parenting um, or, or motherhood versus work balance type of things. Are there other specific pockets of things that you've dealt with that you feel like, here, I have this to offer because I found a way to do this that I wish somebody had told me and I had to figure it out for myself?
1: Hmm. Um. I think I could just do a case study on how difficult – hiring can be. I have not figured that out, but hiring for a equine specific practice is tricky because that person needs to have a lot of skill, you know, kind of be very diversely skilled. And then you're stuck in the car with them all day also. (laughs) Um, I could talk about that. I could talk about who do, who do vets need to hire? Mm, so it's a mix of office help and then on the farm, like actual horse handling help. Um, I could talk about kind of the creative ways that I have either shared equipment or on-call needs with other local practitioners.
0: Sharing equipment, like a few of you each have your own business, but there are certain... Pieces of large equipment that are only necessary in certain cases. So you don't actually have to own it. You just need to occasionally make use of it in specific treatment.
1: Yep. Yep. Correct. Yeah. I do that um, in a couple instances. Most of the stuff that I come up with seems sort of business related just because I've had my own business for the past 10 years. I'm trying to think of wellness I feel like I'm such on a path still for personal growth that those things don't pop to mind right away, but it is something to consider framing it in that way. Is there a story I can share? So, yeah, so it through? sounds
0: like one possible venue for bringing more of your authentic voice to your podcast such that you could feel like you were staying humble and relatable and that you don't have everything figured out, but you do have some meaningful stories from your own life and your own lived experience that could be valuable as somebody else on a similar path and that they could learn from it. And the fact that you would be honest about what worked and what didn't work, don't we find relatable when somebody doesn't have this perfect, polished, unbelievable (laughs) life, but rather somebody tells us all of the nitty gritty backstory and that it's not all, all figured out more relatable, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely more relatable. Yep.
0: Another thought that comes to mind is maybe if the format for interviewing people, have you ever heard podcasts that also include the interviewer herself having these asides in which she gives more information Mm -hmm. about something? So say you're interviewing somebody and then they say either a professional term or some sort of concept that you're not sure your listeners know about or that you want to hyperlink it and say something additional about it. It's more editing work, I'm sure, but maybe that would be another means in which you could bring more of yourself into episodes that were mainly showcasing a guest, but that that guest reminded you of all kinds of little points that here and there, you'd like to offer another question, another thought, another vignette from something that you know about. Could that be an interesting hybrid type of episode?
1: Yeah, that's really intriguing because then it's not me on the spotlight for an entire episode talking at people but yes I have thought afterwards there are nuggets or stories that you know I could have shared yeah that's a great actually that's a really good idea I like that idea I think that and I want to start experimenting with some like editing and musical transitions anyway so that would be a good way to do that
0: fantastic fantastic I think Love that the podcast it. that I've most enjoyed this notion of asides is a podcast called ologies with Ali Ward. I actually heard okay. about it from somebody else on akimbo. She right. uses the term ology very loosely in terms of all <laughs> different types of you'd like them a lot of them are actually animal and, and nature world related but she finds experts whose expertise is a very very specific field of science. And uh, anytime they say something that reminds her of something, she then riffs on it as an aside in the episode. I'm sure that it's an editing huge undertaking to try to piece the pieces together afterwards. I'm wondering technically how she does it. It's probably she conducts the interview and then she tapes all of her, she records all of her asides and she's got an editor who must cut and and paste and do Mm -hmm. all of the, of the work of, of, of piecing the pieces together. But it sounds pretty seamless when you listen to it and then you hear the guest make a statement of some kind. And then you hear mm-hmm. her going down a rabbit hole about it. And it's, it's yeah. a horrible experience for the audience.
1: Oh, great. That's great. I'll look that up because that's a great idea. I think that's a great way to add a little bit of myself in. Yeah.
0: So that could be fun. Do you create mm-hmm. show notes? Do you, do you like the idea do. of having written? Could that be another means of elaborating on anything that um, if you had a guest who spoke about something that you had more to say about it, even in your previous episodes? Would it be relevant to go back to the show notes and add in a paragraph and if you'd like to learn more about this topic, here's a a great resource that I've come across about it, even if it wasn't part of the episode?
1: Yes, I do do that already a little bit. I guess one other thing slightly different than what you suggested, I could create my own little blog post, I guess, and link to that specifically. I haven't done much writing for the any of the content myself, I've only linked to other people's writing, but kind of in a similar rabbit hole way, I could share some stories via written word. That would be a good idea also. Yeah. Do,
0: you, do you regularly maintain specific social media in order to either advertise the podcast or create
1: yeah, audio fo- from it or? Yeah, I'm mostly focused on Instagram. So, yeah. And then I share when I don't have my own episode to promote. I right now I'm, um, only releasing every other week. So then on the off week, I usually share other people's content, but yeah. And you chose
0: Instagram Uh. because you feel like that's the right media for the audience that you work with.
1: I did look up the age ranges and it is the right age range. Um, it's just the one I like the most. So that's, why I that's, a, there. <laughs> that's
0: a super reason. That's a great reason. The age range of what the youngest, the youngest vets that you feel yeah, like. Yeah. So like,
1: else? yeah, so they say that the, av- and you know, on my statistics that I see the average users are sort of in the 25 to 40 year old range. And I think that's probably the age t- target age range of this podcast. You know, if you're way older or close to retirement you're probably not changing much about how you're practicing veterinary medicine and um yeah that average graduate's probably 25 or a little older so that's great and i i have a facebook page and some things automatically go there it's a little easier now that it's all the same but um i hate i get so sucked into facebook i try not to be on facebook so much so that it, it's not my primary focus.
0: And so. these people who you're seeking to serve, you feel like the statistic says that they're less on LinkedIn, for example, which to me seems like the intuitive place for professional
1: sharing. Um, no, th- I do not know the answer to that. I have a LinkedIn page. It's just, I, I am not that comfortable with it. It's on my list to sort of research and dig into during this break, but yeah. Um, you are correct. There, there might be an audience there. Yeah. There might be an audience there. Interesting.
0: Very cool. All right. Let's think what else could be ways of bringing more Stacy into the podcast in ways that would still feel comfortable. So you could include yourself a little bit more in the ways that you interview the people by offering these asides and you could have host on mic episodes that could be shorter. The other thing is, I mean, are, are your episodes the same consistent length?
1: I try to make them around 20 to 25 minutes just because I know vets are super tight on time. A couple have gone longer, but yeah, I guess if I did anything on my own, it would probably be like 10 minutes or less. So,
0: I mean, that would, I mean, who's to say that an episode has to be 20 minutes or that they have to be the same length. I've also seen podcasts in which there are two types of episodes and some Mm -hmm. of them are longer format and some of them are shorter format. And part yep. of the beauty of the flexibility of it is you get to mm-hmm. decide, all right. So yeah, if you wanted yeah, to do host on mic episodes that were shorter, if you had a short thought, another idea that comes to mind of how you might feel comfortable with sharing your opinion on something, are there current event type things that come up in uh, veterinary health that could be an opportunity as a hook Right when you think about a media Mm. hook, if there is an issue related to either new legislation or public health issues or um, any kind of regulation or I I, I don't know the field well enough to know what types of
1: hit the news, either the probably yeah I think right I also am not thinking of anything off the top of my head, but I think that is a good sort of train of thought to maybe consider.
0: You know, if there's a current event hook and, or, you know, if there is national horse health awareness month or, Mm -hmm. you know, national or national veterinarian mental health awareness month, if Mm -hmm. that's a thing, and if that's a
1: yeah, there's a, yeah, there is a day, a day or a week
0: or a something, right. Then you could gear Mm -hmm. towards that day as riffing and bringing an expert on, right, and Mm -hmm. and combining the two. So those types of hooks could give you a legitimate reason. You know, it's not because I'm just trying to be self-promoting. It's because it's national day of let's talk about it, right? And the whole beauty of a day of something for topics that really deserve to be addressed much more often than once every 365 days is Mm -hmm. that everybody's so bombarded with information. Here's a specific opportunity to kind of focus people's attention on something right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Do you do any teaching? Do you meet the young,
0: the young graduates or do you meet students or would you be interested in considering maybe a live event? Are you still in touch as an alumni of the school that you went to? Would they be welcoming of having some sort of event at which you could go speak to students and maybe you could have a live episode where you speak to them about some challenges or something like that?
1: That's interesting. I have not done any speaking uh, and I, I don't know if, you know, maybe they would be open or maybe I'm close to another vet school now. Maybe they would be open um, something to consider. I think between work and the kids and producing the podcast, it really felt like enough, um, but maybe something to consider for the future. Yeah.
0: Sure. Sure. So all, Mm -hmm. all different possibilities that maybe these types of collaborations and having Mm -hmm. kind of a shared spotlight could feel more comfortable than saying, Hey, it's about me. It's not, you know, it's not about us. It's us Mm -hmm. as a channel, us as Mm -hmm. a venue to showcase the important work that we feel needs to get into the world. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking, Making sure to think about it that way is yeah. Helpful. Because, I
0: mean, yeah. that's why you're doing the podcast. You're not doing mm-hmm. the podcast in order to self-aggrandize yourself. You're doing mm-hmm. it clearly because you feel the importance of serving this audience in order to help them. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it would be, it would be bringing more of yourself to the front in service in service of the people that you're seeking to serve. In Seth's words, right?
1: Yep. Yep makes me think of Brene Brown and vulnerability.
0: Totally. totally.
1: <laughs> it's definitely something I need to work on.
0: <laughs> All of us. All of us. Yeah. Wow. Stacey, yeah. thanks so much. This has been so much fun hearing from you about a world I know nothing about. Anytime I ask my parents for a pet, I got another sibling. That's why there are seven of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my God. That's so funny. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate. I, I think having the outside without the background is awesome. I think it it um, makes us makes me think about things differently, and um, it's been really helpful. I I'm looking forward to thinking more on all these ideas.
0: Amazing. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person after COVID's over, and I can fly over to see you.
1: Yes, me too. Thanks. Good again. luck with
0: your beautiful work and with your beautiful family, and take good care. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for being with us here on Let's Clarify It. I hope you found it helpful. If there are specific topics you'd love to hear covered or you'd like help clarifying your own messaging on a future episode, I'd be delighted to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me on letsclarify.it. In the meantime, be sure to take good care and clarify your messages to amplify your impact.